want to welcome everyone here today to Pentecost Sunday. I, for myself, have really enjoyed our Tabernacle series. I know Pastor Ed's been doing a great job with that series, but today we take a break from the Tabernacle series and we focus on the day of Pentecost. And today's sermon title will be Restoring the Days of Pentecost. So I don't know what expectations you came here today, but I hope as you hear the message that the Lord calls each and every one of us to respond. And we can see the days of Pentecost being restored before our very eyes. How many of you would agree that the church in general has been a little bit dead over the last few hundred years. And I know for myself, you know, I grew up in the 90s, and I remember times where I saw three-hour church services, people totally on fire for the Lord and for a zeal and a passion to be in the Lord's house. But it just seems to me, though, that as time goes on, the church in general... People lose their passion, lose their fire, lose their burning desire to be in the house of the Lord, to worship, to evangelize to the lost, and to be everything that God has called us to be. I believe full-heartedly that the sleeping giant known as the church is going to be awakened today before our very eyes. I believe that we're going to see Pentecost this day in our church. You can turn to Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 32. Where do we see then? The day of Pentecost, I believe, began the sense of the prophet Joel's prophecy that it would indeed take place. In Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 32, Joel is prophesying what would take place and what we'll read about also in Acts chapter 2. And Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 32 says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my maidservants and on my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great day and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. So I have always loved this prophecy from the prophet Joel. We see that indeed in the last days, God will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. The elderly men shall dream dreams. The young men shall see visions. The word of the Lord will be poured out on all flesh. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon will be turned into blood. All this will take place before the second coming of Christ. And I like the next part. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not whosoever we will, whosoever the Lord will, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. As we fast forward to the New Testament, then we see throughout the Gospels, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Now if you do the math exactly seven weeks ago, it's Easter. What does that all mean? The crucifixion we know took place three days before. And we see the resurrection of Christ. And so then, the resurrection of Christ took place. And then seven weeks later, we see the day of Pentecost take place. Acts chapter 2. On the projector, you'll see verses 14 through 21. But before we get there, this will not be on the projector, but Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, I believe is very key and essential for us to read as well. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So we see then, a great move of God taken here on the day of Pentecost. A sound from heaven. You know what? I believe we can, we can still see days like the days of Pentecost take place from our very eyes. Why could we not hear a sound from heaven today? A mighty rushing wind take place. I believe that can all take place. And then the believers, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them the ability to do so. We see in this passage then, they were all gifted and were able to speak in languages that they were not fluent in. Some men 
thought that the believers were drunk with wine. So as, as, this, as this great big awakening was taking place on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was there in a strong and powerful way. Oh, to be there on the day of Pentecost. I wish I was there. I truly do. But I believe full heartedly that we should not be reenacting what took place on the days of Pentecost, but I believe that there is great awakenings for the church to happen just like the days of Pentecost. I've heard a couple amens. I think may some people may truly believe that we can see the days of Pentecost restored before our very eyes. And again, so some people think, oh, these people are just a bunch of drunks acting stupid. The great apostle Simon Peter had a little rebuttal for those who thought such things. Acts chapter 2 Verses 14 through 21. These verses will be on the projector. Reads like this. But Peter standing up with the eleven raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maidservants... I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So the great apostle Simon Peter, he begins to preach then on the day of Pentecost. At this point he's saying to those who thought that these men were drunk, he's saying no, no, absolutely not. It's only nine in the morning. These people are not intoxicated. Rather, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And it was at this point then that Peter began to quote the prophet Joel in his prophecy. Speaking about miracles, signs and wonders taking place. And I like how the scripture speaks about God's spirit being poured out upon all flesh. 
You know, I don't know if you realize what all is going on in the world right now, but in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of school shootings, and in the midst of Ukraine and Russia being at war, in the midst of everything and all the turmoil going on in this world, God's word is also being proclaimed for the nations to hear. One missionary that I met during my time at Asbury named Rick, Rick Martino, he now serves as a missionary for Whitecliff Bible Translators. Travels as a missionary. My friend Ricky told me that the word of the Lord is now being translated into over 2,600 languages throughout the world. Indeed, we are seeing the last days where the word of God is being poured out upon all flesh. We're seeing miracles take place. The word of God being spread throughout the entire world. And I believe before the coming of Christ that there will be no place on the face of the earth where the word of God is not available to all people. And truly in the midst of this, I believe full-heartedly that we're seeing the days of Pentecost being restored before our eyes. So how many would truly love to see Acts chapter 2 take place today? I would love it. I would love it. And today, I'm going to give you five points regarding the days of Pentecost being restored to our nation, to our world, and to our church. And these five points I'm going to give you, they're not a recommendation. They're not something you may want to think about doing. They are an absolute must if we're going to see the days of Pentecost being restored before our eyes. See, Jesus did so many mighty miracles, raised the dead, and did great things. And, and you know, I wasn't planning on saying this, but I believe it's in John chapter 14, verse 12, that Jesus said that we would do even greater things than him. And if we truly believe that we're going to do even greater things than Christ, then why could we not see the days of Pentecost being restored before our very eyes? So again, five points I'll give you today. Not a recommendation, not a suggestion, but an absolute must for the days of Pentecost to be restored before our very eyes. Number one, we must have a burning desire to see revival take place. We must have an absolute desire to see the days of Pentecost being restored for revival to take place. I was glad to see 
a few people from our church having that zeal and passion and, and choosing to go down to Jackson last week and, and wanting to go to the revival. If we don't have a burning desire, zeal, and passion for the days of Pentecost to be restored, it will never happen. Church, what are you most passionate about today? What, what is number one in your life? What do you desire today above all other things? What is number one to you today? Got to have a burning desire and zeal and passion for the days of Pentecost to be restored or it will never ever happen. We got to want it. How many of you want it? How many of you desire the days of Pentecost to be restored before us? First point, burning desire, zeal and a passion for revival, for the days of Pentecost to happen before our eyes. The second point, and I believe that this may be the very most crucial point that I'll give you. We must have sacrificial prayer. The days of Billy Graham preaching live in person are over. And I want to tell you, Reverend Billy Graham brought such a, a basic message before the people. But you know what really caused the Billy Graham crusades to be successful stadium after stadium? The committees that went before them in prayer. The committees that went before the Billy Graham crusades in prayer caused there to be great moves of God. And oh, how I have a zeal and a passion this day to pray for the, to the Lord. May the Lord help us to have times of sacrificial prayer. That we'd pray when we don't feel like praying. That we'd seek the Lord with all of our heart and sacrificial prayer. We've dealt with this verse a lot in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Pray without ceasing. If you have the NIV, it may say pray continuously. Prayer. A praying church is a powerful church. And I want Satan and all demons throughout the earth to be afraid of our church praying to God Almighty to see a great awakening take place, to see salvations take place, to see miracles happen, to see the sick healed, to see a great awakening before our very eyes. It'll take sacrificial prayer. The third point I want to bring before you. We must worship unashamed. We must worship unashamed. I tell you, church, today, that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
If we're ashamed here of our faith and our beliefs in the Lord, if we have hindrances, if we're intimidated about our faith in the midst of adversity, we'll never see the days of Pentecost restored before our very eyes. And so I like, actually I love Romans chapter 1 verse 16. The Apostle Paul writes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God for salvation for all those who believe, from the Jew first and to the Greek. The message went to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles. And here we have the message of Jesus Christ today, full and complete. And everywhere I go and and everyone I talk to, I want to make it very clear. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even at a young age, I loved it when the students would gather together flagpoles before their schools, prayer time in lunchrooms. Seeing the students pray. Such a powerful thing. We need those days restored. We need our students to stand before the flagpoles and say, I'm not ashamed of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of who I serve. Jesus made it very clear in Matthew chapter 10, Verses 32 and 33. If you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father who's in heaven. But if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father who's in heaven. If you're ashamed of your faith here on earth, Christ will deny you before our heavenly Father. And we'll never see the days of Pentecost being restored to our nation. But on the flip side, if you make that bold proclamation before the Lord, that indeed, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If I'm in a restaurant with a hundred people around me, I'm not ashamed to bow my head and thank God Almighty for the food that He has given me and my friends and family. I'm not ashamed. People ask me who I serve, what I'm about, what I do for a living. I'm not ashamed to tell them. We must not be ashamed of our faith. I believe it's time for the church to get loud and proud. We see other groups of people marching with pride this month. They're so proud of who they are and what they believe. And I don't condemn them. I tell you what, Jesus loves them. He died on the cross for every last one of them. But if they're so proud of their faith and what they believe, how can we as believers in Christ not march with pride and say, you know what, 
I love Jesus and I'm going to serve him to the very best of my ability. The fourth point I want to bring before you. We must be great students of God's word. Might surprise you how many Christians spend very little time in God's word. But think about the words of Jesus. Give us this day our daily bread. I finally got that verse. I thought it meant food for years and years and years. And I believe that's part of it. But I believe there's a double meaning there. As Jesus is speaking, give us this day our daily bread. Yes, he'll give us food, clothing, and shelter today. But by all means, he's given us the word of God. That can touch our hearts and lives. We allow it to every day of our life. The Apostle Paul writes to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Study to show thyself approved, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. Study to show thyself approved. Take some time today. No, we have busy lives. But there's got to come a point in time where we get the TV off. Take a break from our cell phones. Put out all the distractions before us. And get get in the word of God. It'll touch our hearts and lives. We must be great students of God's word. Now, for a little over 400 years, we've seen the Word of God completed. Came, came out in 1611 in English, the King James Version, printed in English. So now, for 411 years, we've had all 66 books available to us, cover to cover, all kinds of resources to study, to learn about the Word of God, great pastors teachers, peoples to preach, share God's word. Don't take it for granted. Don't neglect the word of God. It'll touch your heart. It'll touch your life. Allow it to this day. The fifth point I want to bring before you. We must grow in our relationships with Christ. We must be actively growing in our relationship with Christ. We must be intentional about our relationship with the Lord and be working full-heartedly for our relationship with the Lord that we would be actively growing in our relationship with Christ. Think about it just like a spouse or your children or anyone else. 
You don't talk to them. You don't engage with them. You don't spend time with them. Your relationship doesn't grow with them. Our God's the same way. We got to spend time with them. We got to actively engage with the Lord in order for our relationship to grow. We all have a past. We all have a story. We all have a time in which we dabbled in sin. I think about the great apostle Simon Peter here preaching. You know, he had his days of sin too. And I believe on his worst day, he denied Christ three times. But I believe on his best day, He was preaching on the day of Pentecost. And so you can look at it in Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Then those who gladly received His Word were baptized that day. About 3,000 souls were added to them. It used the word souls. So that leads me to believe that they got saved. They were baptized. And they were added to the church. You read on in Acts chapter 4, verse 4. Well, I want to stay in Acts chapter 2, verse 41 for a minute. You, you, You think about Peter in this situation. You know, I don't know when they created these microphones, the PA system, when that all came about exactly, but I know that it did that. Peter didn't have no microphone before him. He didn't have no PA system projecting the Word of God. But the Holy Spirit was strong enough and powerful enough on the day of Pentecost to see 3,000 people added to the church. 3,000 people get saved, baptized, and were committed to the work of the kingdom. How many would love to see 3,000 people get saved today. And it gets better as you read the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 4. However, many of those who heard the word believed. Got to believe. And the number of the men came to about 5,000. See, you see... The believers in Acts, day of Pentecost, 3,000 people get saved. Acts chapter 4, verse 4, then we see at this time a grand total of 5,000 believers serving the Lord. And I believe that many of them were on fire for the Lord, seeking the Lord at this time. And if we truly believe Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as surely as we believe He ascended into heaven, then shortly thereafter the Holy Spirit came here to earth. And we see the great day of Pentecost taking place. But I believe full-heartedly we have to have, be strong in our faith to see that day take place again. And see that great awakening take place again. 
When a person grows in their relationship with Christ, they can't help but share the gospel with others. I know Kenny and I joke around a lot and say, hey, you know, I'm going fishing, you're going fishing. We joke about fishing and outfishing one another. And you know what? I hope that my brother in Christ outfishes me. Because then my prayers are being answered and we're seeing the work of the kingdom being done before our very eyes. Being about our Father's business. Being strong in our faith. Looking for lost souls to be saved. Here's the deal. I want to reach people for Christ. And when I reach someone for Christ and lead someone to the Lord, I don't want them to just take a seat here in the pew. I want to lead people to the Lord. And I want to reach people that reach people that reach people that reach people and see a great big domino effect for God's kingdom. To see more and more people one to Christ and for His kingdom. So, the great apostle Simon Peter writes 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, the very last verse in that book. It says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Grow. Grow in His grace. Grow in His knowledge. You can touch hearts and lives of the people that are around you. I want to be about my Father's business. I want to see souls saved. I want to see lives changed. I want to see the days of Pentecost being restored before our very eyes. And I hope that that is your burning desire and passion too. Before we pray for revival and before we pray for the days of Pentecost to be restored before our very eyes, I say days because it wasn't just a one day thing and hearts and lives, people go on about their business after that. No, the day of Pentecost caused the days after that to be filled with the Holy Spirit and hearts and lives being touched by the Lord, lives being changed. But before we pray for the days of Pentecost to be restored. I want to talk to you evangelistically today. And again, I want to think back to what took place seven weeks before this event took place. I want to talk to you about the crucifixion. I want everyone to listen to me very clearly. What took place seven days, seven weeks before the day of Pentecost. Jesus died on the cross for you. Jesus allowed His body to be beaten for you. Jesus allowed the Roman soldiers to put 39 lashes upon His back. Jesus allowed the Roman soldiers 
to put nails in his wrist. Jesus allowed the Roman soldiers to put a nail driven into his feet. Jesus allowed the Roman soldiers to place a crown of thorns upon his head. Why? Because Jesus loves you. He died to save you. And the good gospel news, three days later, he rose from the grave. So I want to be about my father's business at this time. With every head bowed and with every eye closed, now at this time, with nobody looking around, reverence before the Lord. Today, if there's someone here today, you say, I am not a Christian, I am not saved, I'm not born again. Simply raise your hand now at this time. Raise your hand. Nobody looking around. Raise your hand. Jesus loves every last one of you. So if that's you today, raise your hand. Raise your hand high. The Son of Man came to save that which was lost. And I thank you for raising your hand in honesty. Thank you. We've had one honest enough to raise your hand today and say, I'm not a Christian. I'm not saved. 